Hi everyone, Jeff Stefan here with Stefan Media. Today is July 24th, 2020. And today I am going to cover a 40 minute live interview, which was reported by America's Voice News out of California a couple days ago. There are two men in the interview. The first main speaker is Dr. George Fareed. He is a Harvard graduate and has been practicing medicine for over 50 years. And he has treated over four to 500 COVID patients and not one has died. Uh, the other person in the interview is a retired pharmacist and he also speaks a little bit. This is a heroic effort of Dr. George, George Fareed to get information out there on treatments that are working. Here we go. The audio is a little bit rough. This was sort of a quick interview and America's Voice News was using a uh, Bluetooth microphone connected to an iPhone on a Facebook live feed. So the audio is a little bit rough, but the information is spectacular. Here we go. And it's a very, a high honor to be in here with Dr. George Fareed at the, uh, this is Pioneers Medical Center in Raleigh, California. Raleigh, California. And Dr. Mike Bennett, who is a pharmacist, retired pharmacist. How do you want to hear it now? Okay. So uh, if, if you don't mind, Dr. Fareed, if you would uh, just give us that intro one more time. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, I, thank you, Ben, for coming all this distance to interview me and to uh, Mike for arranging this. I, I'm a doctor here in the Imperial Valley. I've been here for 30 years. I, I was uh, involved in the AIDS ep epidemic when I first came here and set up the HIV clinic for the Imperial Valley. And what we're dealing with now in the COVID-19 pandemic reminds me of that era when there was uncertainty and fear and avoidance of, of the of confronting this in the right way and getting early intervention. In contrast, now we have early intervention for HIV and, and patients go on to be suppressed for that and living pretty much normal lives with normal lifespans. What we've, uh, what we were confronted with here is a surge in this location becoming the... So the area that he practices has a current surge in COVID positive patients. Epicenter for California uh, with um, the highest case index that there is in the state. I, I started my treatments of patients with COVID 19, joined by other colleagues who have the same basic approach of early intervention. And the best intervention that uh, there is and was then from Dr. Didier Raoult in France and subsequently by a personal hero of mine, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko in New York state and that is with hydroxychloroquine zinc and azithromycin or an antibiotic doxycycline and now we know that a low dose regimen is very effective also the results show an 84 percent reduction in hospitalization and a similar reduction in mortality even with a low dose treatment that's comparable to the treatment that is used for rheumatoid arthritis and lupus for years and years and years without complication. Okay, I'm gonna pause it right there. Uh, the doctor comes out of the gate right away stating 
here is what is working. Hydroxychloroquine combined with azithromycin and 50 milligrams of zinc a day. He is having phenomenal results with it. But we've been led by the mainstream media that hydroxychloroquine is unsafe. And I use a more aggressive treatment, and I've had no complications. I use a higher dose of hydroxychloroquine. He's had no complications, and he's treated four to 500 patients. Hydroxychloroquine in my patients, starting a loading dose of 800 milligrams in one day, and then 600 milligrams for uh, days two through five. And I always give zinc uh, three times a day, and either the antibiotic is azithromycin or doxycycline. And then the patients show quick recovery. Uh, those that are of relatively low risk start to feel better within 24 hours. And the ones of higher risk that I've seen that are likely to be those that would end up in the intensive care unit if they didn't receive this require longer treatment. And they require sometimes an inhaled budesonide, a corticosteroid to compensate. Wow, so now he completely supports Dr. Richard Bartlett's treatment. He said if someone um, is at higher risk where the infection can spread or they would be on the verge of getting hospitalized, budesonide works. On the incipient or beginning cytokine storm pneumonia condition, they may need dexamethasone, it may need a prolongation of the hydroxychloroquine treatment, but that's uh, not often the case, I found. But it does occur, and they then will continue their recovery, avoiding hospitalization, avoiding going into the emergency room. Exactly. We want treatments that will avoid us to go to the hospital. And it's... Uh, and, and so just to yeah. stop there real quick. Yes. So this is one of those topics, and I think we're just getting the, uh, but we can try the mic. I think we're just getting the camera uh, mic, so I guess I flip it on better that way. Um, this is one of those things. So right now, I think most people, they, you know, people running around with masks on, they're, they're living in fear. They're you know, basically being told, especially here in California, that uh, you're, you're going to die if you get this thing. I mean, there's kind of this, you know, there's so much fear in there, but nobody is talking about that. I want to reiterate this because nobody is talking about uh, prevention, and you you call it. Uh, so yeah, George um, can address that. There's prophylaxis. Yes. And then there's treatment. treatment. Everyone's focusing on treatment. On the. What do you do when you actually get it? Right. Rather than how do you? It, there are actual ways to prevent getting this or reduce the impact once you do, and uh, that's something I don't think anyone, too many people realize. I mean, some networks are talking about it, but very few. It feels like. So let's dive into that a little bit about that because look when you go into a malaria area you, you're, you're using given you know prophylactic dose of a doxycycline or something cork and phosphate and that is to prevent things from happening correct so I'm in the Navy was always used to doing that in the preventative medicine unit so talk a little bit about the difference between using it a prophylaxis versus somebody, okay, they get symptomatic, they started developing, developing symptoms, but we still want to keep them out of the ER, out of the hospital. That's really, to me, the goal is to prevent patients from going downhill quickly without getting the cocktail on board uh, right away. What 
what's to prevent the doctors from prescribing that? Why are they so fearful of giving hydroxychloroquine when we know it's been used for 65 plus years? Yeah, I, I think that that's so pertinent because it's been hydroxychloroquine has been stigmatized inappropriately and it's led to fatalities and morbidities or worse, uh, people with longer term sequelae of this illness. So did you hear that? Hydroxychloroquine has been stigmatized. So people across the world have died unnecessarily because doctors did not prescribe the medicine that works. It's a, in terms of prophylaxis, that's an, an area that hasn't been fully established that in it is so it should be probably something comparable to what we do for malaria prophylaxis it would be taking zinc every day 50 milligrams of elemental zinc and 200 or 400 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine once a week uh, a more commonly used prophylaxis is larium medication which larium, are, yes one. yes but that's not uh, used in in coronavirus therapy or covid-19 therapy However, it, there is a case to be made in, uh, that I would be supportive of, of a large-scale prophylaxis. Uh, however, that would be very controversial at this stage because of the climate we're in. But more importantly is the early intervention. Once an individual becomes positive, is diagnosed, and, or is symptomatic, and it, the critical time frame is the time frame of five to seven days uh, after the onset of symptoms. That's when viral load becomes high and the potential for spread to the lungs and other organs is, is likely. And the, this combination lowers the viral load significantly. And then, it, as I mentioned at the outset, it can possibly, probably be continued at a low dose of hydroxychloroquine. But the work of our uh, hero in the United States, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, uh, in his most recent studies that are uh, to be published, I believe, soon, has shown that even a low-dose uh, regimen that's the same that we give to rheumatoid arthritis and lupus patients of hydroxychloroquine, 200 milligrams twice a day, along with zinc and the, hydro uh, and the azithromycin, lowers uh, mortality and hospitalization 84%. Big number. And, that, and it that, probably could be higher yeah. than that. And my, my experience is not uh, one where I've done um, scientific uh, documentation other than with a colleague named Dr. Brian Tyson at the Urgent Care Clinic in North Central where over a thousand patients have been diagnosed. And that there's been careful record keeping in that place, which um, now is published in one of Dr. Reish's studies in the Journal of Epidemiology along with 12 other studies uh, that, uh, and, and our work here locally has shown the marked reduction in, in complications and fatality, no fatalities in, in all the patients that were uh, treated there or through my treatments that were involved with that place. Say that again, so, so the people that were diagnosed with COVID that were treated with your treatments, you had no fatalities? No, none. none. No fatalities. Uh, I believe Dr. Richard, Richard Bartlett has treated less than 100 people, but this doctor has treated four to 500. No death. None. And in that, in that hospital, you said 1,000 patients? 
there, there have been through this urgent care clinic and through my clinic as well and patients that when I've been working there that uh, I've been part of that program. Dr. Tyson has done a much larger number of patients. How, how many total patients would you say have received that treatment? Uh, well, I would say it's right. certainly uh, four or five hundred and maybe close to a thousand. And zero fatalities? Zero fatalities and, wow. and, and one, uh, three or four hospitalizations for three or four days only. So the, the patients that do have the respiratory dis disorder, the cytokine storm, it's much more mild and it's much more amenable to the supportive therapy that they may go to the hospital and get remdesivir or convalescent plasma, but they don't go progress to the intensive care unit and mechanical ventilation. Why? Okay, so also the doctor is stating that when this cocktail is prescribed, which is hydroxychloroquine with an antibiotic, azithromycin, but he's also done some doxycycline and 50 milligrams of zinc three times a day. Um, it's also limited the stay in the hospital. They're not two, three, four weeks visits. They are out in three to five days. I, I, that's a very good question. We need to hear it. Uh, I, I don't have an answer to that other than it's, uh, there's been a, uh, a, a strong effort to present negatives that, that have to be rejected ultimately. And, and the huge one that's embarrassing to me, having been trained at Harvard, having gone to medical school there, the model of Harvard is Veritas or truth. And uh, the researchers uh, or a study from Harvard was published in the Lancet and, and, and in the New England Journal as well as from other locations. Uh, th these studies were based upon falsified data and they had to be rejected but they led to the FDA withdrawing the emergency use authorization and, and really stigmatizing hydroxychloroquine and then the WHO banned it and during that ban period of time there was a uh, spike in deaths in the countries affected. Uh, and uh, let me just show you one study that... So the World Health Organization, who I'm so thankful that Trump defunded, um, the WHO, they are not our, on our side. They've been dishonest. They banned hydroxychloroquine and uh, people died because of this. Uh, I'm going to Google donors of the WHO, and if you look here, um, the Gates Foundation, you'll see, is the number two or number three largest donor behind the United States. Um, let's see here. So, yeah, they donate all of the incoming funds, 12.12% comes from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And before that, 15% uh, was the United States. Obviously, Trump withdrew the funding for that last week. But Bill and Melinda are behind this. So why do you think the World Health Organization would want to say that hydroxychloroquine is unsafe? It's because they want to vaccinate us all which would be unhealthy.
uh, is really rather clear cut. It's uh, I don't know if you can see that. It's uh, it is uh, their population studies now. If you look at the this is in Brazil, where one state in Brazil received a large number of doses of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin and gave it to their 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 residents, their uh, their people. Uh, and the black line shows the drop in mortality that occurred in that state. Wow. Whereas in the same time period, subtracting that state from all other parts of Brazil, mortality rose consistently. And that, that's just one example that uh, on population-based so studies. Back to where you said, so that study that was done, there was a Harvard study and it was falsified? Yeah, it was based upon falsified study information. The they, they depended yes. on data coming from another source that had fabricated the data. I mean, that, that feels criminal. It does to me, certainly. Yeah, and it, it, it was uh, then excuses made and apologies given, but the actions were taken. They had been taken. And, and the that, lives were lost. And the lives were lost, but then there have been additional studies published that have not been really well designed, that, that don't look at the full cocktail in particular mm -hmm. and deliver it at the right time that, that give, uh, give a negative connotation to hydroxychloroquine that these naysayers can exploit. So this 75-year-old doctor who graduated from Harvard is stating that um, in these medical studies, whoever performs these studies, they can set up a a treatment that works for failure, and that's exactly what Dr. Richard Bartlett was stating. So let's listen to our family practitioners that are actually treating us and have our best interest in mind, not people that have an agenda. And I can totally see it's out there. There are people that do not want us to know that these common treatments work, these generic medicines work. Fortunately, they, they have good intentions, but they, they draw on fears that aren't there, that shouldn't be there. And the, then the other uh, aspect of this is that there have been now studies from major hospitals at the NYU and uh, Henry Ford in New York and in, in, uh, in Detroit that show positive results when the inpatients are given the hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, uh, zinc combination at the right time and in the right group. And those, when they're looked at carefully, they, these patients have a very shorter hospitalizations and a much fewer number that go into the into, onto mechanical ventilation. And that, that is what we need to try to eliminate and uh, substantially reduce because the lung takes a terrible, the lungs take a terrible beating uh, for the, with these treatments and patients will have the suffering, uh, I'm afraid, for the rest of their lives as a consequence. So, so this doctor gives us excellent information. We do not want to go on a ventilator and three months ago, all that was on the news or governors on TV stating we need Donald Trump, we need more ventilators. We need more ventilators. Uh, and that is the last place you wanna go. The mechanical ventilation can cause permanent lung damage. Speak to, speak to the issue of- If you're lucky to get off Why of it. is it that the mainstream media, and, and I will say whether they be on the left or the right, 
why do they, they don't bring up the positive studies and they're always focusing in on the negative studies. For example, that VA study that showed, you know, all the mayhem there. And when you go back and look at that VA study, you find that there, it, it, there were people at the very kind of end of, of the chain, you might say. Yes. So they're always wanting to expect the drug hydroxychloroquine by itself to, to pull people out of a deep state of cytokine storm, when at that point, it's almost impossible uh, for that to happen. So early treatment is what I hear you saying. Early intervention is, is, is the best course. And that's exactly what Dr. Richard Bennett said. Early detection, early intervention. But that's where the doctor-patient relationship seems to be interfered with so that they can actually get it, write the prescription, get the patient on it to prevent them from going to the hospital. Well, that, that's, that's absolutely well stated. Mike, I don't have anything to add to that other than it, it, we need to have the population aware of, the, of this and the fact that uh, there is a good option that they should be provided with. And, and is this something for those that are watching out there that they should be going to their physician, to their primary care physician, and, and are most primary care physicians uh, where you are at with this or are most not? Are they still that stigma of You know, it's a mixed situation, unfortunately. There, there are a number of ones that see many of the cases like uh, that are comparable to me and or see even more than I do that are uh, in support of this, um, this early intervention approach with the cocktail, the HCQ cocktail. So for people that are but, out there watching that are fearful, that once they get uh, COVID, you know, say they test positive tomorrow. Yes. What should they do? They should meet, see their, contact their primary care physician and, and get a consideration for this to be provided as soon as possible. And if there is hesitancy about it, at least provide the, the low-dose regimen that's, that the rheumatoid arthritis and lupus patients get with hydroxychloroquine, along with zinc and, uh, and, and azithromycin or doxycycline. The, the hydro, hydroxychloroquine is an antiviral agent that uh, does have antiviral activity, I should say, uh, against uh, COVID-19 in, in studies, in vitro and in, in other sources of uh, studies. But it, uh, it's a agent that takes the zinc into the cell that is infected, and the zinc is actually the poison for the COVID-19, inhibiting the replication mechanism for COVID-19. One-two punch. It's a one-two one, punch, two plus punch. the third is the, the action of the uh, antibiotic, azithromycin and probably doxycycline, and going beyond just antibacterial action, but having an effect that, that interferes with the viral process. We don't know precisely how, those, uh, how that takes place, but it does. It's a synergism, and the the, the broad studies that impressed me early on, particularly from Dr. Raoul in France, were those that documented how beneficial this combination was for infected patients at, at, the, at an early time, which, um, and unfortunately, he came under a lot of attacks and oh, research. very much. Uh, research, uh, or uh, his reputation was somewhat tarnished in a sense, which he, he, he should win a Nobel Prize. And Dr. Zelenko should also. And um, you're actually working now, I don't know if we mentioned that, on uh, 
getting this, there's a document you guys have created, getting it to the, the president? Yeah, yes, yes, we, we've uh, tried to assemble all the scientific subs, uh, substantiation of the uh, this approach in, in one ebook that uh, the president could uh, look at and uh, his advisors could consider. And we've also framed a, a short letter to be um, uh, presented to the task force and, and the president to allow us, people like me, not, I'm a small piece in this, in this puzzle, basically. They're very, very high uh, caliber people. In addition, Dr. Harvey Reich from uh, Yale University is an yeah, uh, yeah. esteemed epidemiologist who's been a high proponent for early intervention with what we have. We don't have anything else, and but we have something that's very good, and it may ultimately prove to be uh, what we'll need for us in the years ahead. And right. in my opinion, you, you may not have anything better coming up, but very possibly there will be other antivirals, and they should be used in, uh, at an early stage. Because what we're hearing now is vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Population lockdown until a vaccine yeah, yeah, versus... Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. So, so the people that seem to be locked in, when they finally come out, then they're faced with this virus that may still be circulating. So the boogeyman still comes calling. And so at what point? The lockdowns, as far as I can see from the data, never really achieved what they said they were they were to achieve. Let's, let's talk about that real quick. What is, from, from, yeah, from your perspective, what's effective, what's not in California in particular? We had a lockdown. It was supposed to be two weeks, three weeks, ended up being six weeks, two months. Now we're back in that for a lot of people. Everyone is now being required to wear masks. What is your expert opinion on what's happening? What's effective? What's not? Well, it's. I believe the uh, measures are are effective, but they they're in some instances in the lockdown. There's a too much of a situation where the susceptible, vulnerable people are going to be locked down with others that may uh, be shedding virus and spreading it. That, that's unfortunate. Well, no, the nursing homes are a different uh, aspect, and I, I'm the medical director of a nursing home that had a outbreak in June. And we put everyone on the cocktail, and the vast majority of them recovered. Thank goodness. Mm. They're very vulnerable, and and there are many patients that people there that are have all the comorbidities that you would want to have protected against. Uh, however. In the in the lockdown situation for the general population, it, it, it should be more flexible. It should be focused primarily on protecting those who are likely to have, have bad outcomes if they do get infected. Uh, with regard to masks, I think they show a responsibility. They they're not going to the types of masks that are warm, uh, worn are not going to filter away the virus if you are coughing and developing aerosols, but they do block it to some extent. And so I, I, I'm not against, I, I'm in favor of wearing masks until we get this uh, out of our out of our country and out of the world. Speak to the opening the, the, the children. Are you an advocate that the children should be going back to school, knowing what we know about that population? Uh, Let's put the kids back into school. Yeah, I, I'm an advocate of putting okay. the kids back to school, absolutely. And, I 100% agree with this. We need to get our kids back in school. 
uh, but it just seems like the, the you know there's this a group um, you know a teachers group for example that doesn't seem to be for the for the children it's more for the teachers so that's sort of a political aspect which we're trying to avoid but the reality is that the children have very very low uh, risk profile in fact the data that I've seen is that the chance of, of young children giving it to grandma is very, very, very low. Is that what you have, uh, have discovered? Uh, that, that the chance of the children giving the it? Children to giving it to grandma. This is where the news media tries to yes. scare people. Mm -hmm. you, the, the child's going to get school, infected. Don't go to school. You're going to kill grandma. And you're going to no. kill grandma. That's, that's kind of, that's, that's the real hammer effect. No, I, I'm not. I don't believe that. Actually, I, I think that the uh, children are able to eliminate the virus quickly, and they're asymptomatic, uh, a short-term infection if they do contract it, and and that the the responsibility is to have the vulnerable people at a distance from from anyone, basically, mm -hmm. if they if that's feasible. So, and that's kind of the, the question I have is, you know, as a young guy, fairly healthy. Um, and you look at our population, the cost benefit of shutting down the economy, what that does, long-term impact that has, even on health and, and the economy, that uh, trickle down into health versus quarantining the sick and the vulnerable. It feels like we've kind of done this big blanket over everyone and said, you know, we lock down everyone versus targeting the most vulnerable and, and doing things that would be effective for them. And, and in particular, when we know that now that there's medications that can prevent death. I mean, it just yes. seems, it seems. Why are we quarantined? Why are we, so the question I always have is, you're, before you would quarantine the sick, now we quarantine and lock down the healthy so that there's not a good chance for the herd immunity to occur. There'll be, for the large part, more people that are asymptomatic and maybe they test positive but they have no symptoms. So in a way, those people are, are are helping in the herd, the herd effect. But if you lock them in the homes, they can't contribute then to herd immunity, you see? And so why lock down the healthy population? We know who's vulnerable now. It, 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 let's protect them. And what I heard initially was it was to prevent um, hospitals from being overwhelmed. was kind of the, the yeah, general- That goal. was the goalpost. Mm -hmm. Is that was that effective, and should we continue to do that? Are we still worried about hospitals now that we're, you know, we're seeing a spike in some cases? Uh, are we? Is that still a big concern of yours? It, oh, absolutely, it's a concern, and and, and hospitals are uh, being still being overwhelmed, or, or it's returning to that situation. We have here a new uh, National Guard facility in, at the. Uh, at the at the Imperial Valley College to support. Oh, it's still operating. Yeah, it's still operating, okay. and then and then uh, hospitals uh, in 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 El Centro have built additional beds and in provisional facilities and tents to accommodate uh, the surge of patients. And this shouldn't occur. It shouldn't have happened like this. If we'd started this early intervention at the get go, uh, it would be a totally different environment. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and I only speak out. I, I'm I'm not the the the, the leader in this uh, in this field, and I I'm a supporter of what I think is correct, and I've been that way 
since March with and my my results have been consistent with that and I'm not going to stop until we get the word out to the the, the population and to the uh, individuals who are apprehensive in particular and then we get the word out to our medical community in addition and yes we need to get the word out please share this broadcast with everyone on your friends list within Facebook, uh, email it to the doctor. This broadcast will be on Spotify um, and many other uh, podcast platforms. And most doctors still do not know that this treatment exists. And, 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 and take this approach in a concerted effort. It's been done in other countries and those countries have got the, uh, the COVID-19 in check and their mortalities have plummeted, have dropped in contrast to the United States where we have skyrocketing fatalities. It's, it's, it's just a very, very sad situation that needs to be corrected quickly. Doc, could you talk about the, so hydroxychloroquine, definitely a favorite. In the community here for the pharmacies, has there been a pushback uh, uh, for insurance coverage, are they asking crazy questions, you know, filling out the box is what it's for? Yeah, I, actually, uh, there, there have been one, what, I, I, I prescribe it at, at, at most of the, at all of the pharmacies in the Imperial Valley. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, they've provided it to the patients. It's, it's so inexpensive that Correct. there's not an issue really with uh, the patients being able to obtain it uh, with regard to uh, their finances or their insurance uh, it, so that I haven't had a pushback fortunately I've had a few pharmacists that haven't been properly informed as to what can be done even with that terrible withdrawal of the emergency use uh, authorization mm -hmm. in, in, for inpatients and inpatients are not where it uh, was in, where it's intended to be used although it does have a role at the at the inception for the milder patients that are uh, being admitted to the hospital. But it's uh, in, in any case, so that, that, that stigmatized it. And, and now I get calls from people in uh, different parts of the state asking me to help them because their local doctor won't help them. Oh. Uh, their local doctor won't help them is what uh, Dr. Freed is stating, uh, same thing with my doctors, as a matter of fact. Uh, I've been seeing, there's two doctors that I deal with regularly. Uh, one is Glacier Medical Associates um, in Whitefish, Montana. And the other one is South Coast Family Medical Center in Laguna Niguel. I called both offices last week. Um, I also emailed them treatments that are working. The uh, published 13-page medical journal that Dr. Richard Bartlett wrote. I called many times asking for a call back and uh, Dr. Davis never called me back. Uh, I said, hey, if I get COVID-19, I want to make sure that I can get hydroxychloroquine prescribed to me. I left several messages. I sent two emails, never even got a phone call back. I said I would even pay for a medical visit over the phone just to talk about a treatment regimen. Uh, they didn't call back. Same thing. Uh, 
up with Gl Glacier Medical Associates. I asked for a doctor to call me back so I could discuss a potential treatment and no doctor called me back. Very disappointing. And these doctors are heroes. They are coming public and telling us the truth, what works. Okay, so the docs here primarily are kind of all on board in this community and understanding that this should be, they should be following the guideline that, that you've laid out, you know, with your experience. Well, I would say not all the doctors are uh, on board, unfortunately, because they're influenced by the, these, these faulty studies, in my opinion, from their, what are thought to be reput uh, reputable medical journals and, and, and institutions. And uh, so that it's not uniform yet. It, it um, will be, but the best ones from my experience are on board. Okay. So good. So some doctors are on board, some are not. Um, make sure that your doctor is on board with this. A couple more questions. I know you're we're limited on time, but I want to really appreciate your time. Um, how big of an impact does being on the border have, and and uh, and folks coming back and forth across the border? Is that in this community? You're limited on bed space. I know how many how many total beds, ICU beds, uh, or or um, are available, and how how big of an impact is Mexicali and, and some of that? Oh maybe? sure. Well, it, it the explosion uh, and. And surge that's occurred in Mexico and particularly in Baja in, in, in the neighboring town Mexicali which has two million inhabitants uh, has had a huge impact here in the Imperial Valley because there are many uh, people who live in Mexicali and, and cross over the border to work here in, in the Imperial Valley or are just uh, American American citizens living in, in Baja California and though that's a source of, 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 of infection that, uh, can, that has taken place. Uh, and it's, it's really uh, hit those areas south of the border very, very hard. Uh, it's, um, it, it, our situation is that we don't have a, a huge number of in ICU beds and uh, the, there's a larger number in the hospital in El Central California and here at the hospital that I'm affiliated with, Pioneers Hospital. I am affiliated with the hospital in the central also, but uh, there are uh, ex uh, increasing uh, numbers of beds that have been put on, but that's in the range of 20 beds. Mm -hmm. So we have to transfer patients to other parts of California when we have a uh, full ICU capacity situation here at the local hospital. But have the ICU beds that are available, uh, have they been maxed out then in terms of COVID-specific patients versus non-COVID? They've been maxed out primarily from COVID-specific patients. Okay, they're in their separate group. So like the tents, are they covid No, no, no. They, the, the, the ICUs have individual rooms that, that are uh, able to isolate each patient so that in, in the ICU there may there are definitely non-COVID patients, but they're they're in their own room. They're not in a uh, in, in close contact with the COVID patient. And then we have uh, secondary areas of the of the ICUs at, at this hospital where they're just COVID nineteen patients. Okay. And I don't I don't know if you can get into it. The, so we're talking uh, 
the legal crosses of people that have a work permit coming in versus people that are coming in outside of that. Um, are there things that, you know, from a security uh, standpoint that we should be doing as a country, you think, that uh, with Mexico and preventing that, that movement back and forth or you know, to keep, or what is your thought? Or is it, I mean, really your focus I know is on hydroxychloroquine getting this yes. Yeah. And, and then we wouldn't even need to worry about some of that. Is that kind of the thing you have on it or should we do more to prevent that back and forth? Well, I, I think we are doing a great deal uh, in, in both sides, and Mexico has been doing a great job of screening people coming from the United States across the borders um, here uh, in the Imperial Valley, and, and, and we're doing quite a good screening of, patient, of individuals crossing in the other direction. It slowed down the, the, the crossings greatly, so, uh, I, and I don't think we've had uh, any excessive numbers of infected people coming over illegally through areas along the border that are just somewhat of a distance from what's the town of Calexico, which is our border town. Right. So most of that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't receive, they would be going somewhere further, you know, not necessarily into this community. Yeah, yeah that's true. They, gotcha. they would be taken elsewhere. Yes. And our, our border patrol services have been doing a heroic job period of time. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yes. Border Patrol's doing a heroic job, according to this doctor. So to recap, a patient gets tested today. They're asymptomatic. They don't have any symptoms, but they're told that they're positive. Should they then strongly consider the cocktail before they even develop symptoms, or do they wait if they then begin to develop a symptom, then be considered? In other words, well, asymptomatic I, yeah. versus symptomatic patients. Yeah. I think uh, principally the symptomatic patients should strongly consider the cocktail. The asymptomatic patients could consider it even the low dose regimen. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's what I would recommend to them, but I'd give them that option. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's, uh, that, that would make a huge difference, in my opinion, in, in terms of how this unfolds over the next months. Hmm. And so if, we're, if we don't take action now, we're faced with 75 to 100,000 more deaths hmm. in the United States. If we do take action, we, we may limit that to 7,000 deaths. Hmm. So that is a huge milestone. This doctor, Again, he's 75 years old, a doctor with a Harvard graduate is stating, if we don't change things, another 75 to 100,000 Americans can die. However, if we get the word out, we have early detection, early treatment with this cocktail, the death could downward spiral to maybe seven, 8,000 people. So question on Imperial Valley, they have a dashboard that comes from public health and they don't do as good a job as let's say San Diego County when I compare uh, a breakdown of patients, you know, not so much geographic or gender, but in terms of deaths, I mean, that's the ultimate, you, you know, you, you've died from it or you haven't died from it. I was just curious of the 800 or so that I saw, the 900, I guess, death totals. Yes. I'm just curious. Was there a way to see, were they given an option to use any form of hydroxychloroquine? 
I, I'm wondering out of that pool of people, uh, did any of them get the option of trying it? Mike, uh, on that number that you're talking about, uh, in terms of the Imperial County deaths, Imperial County. I, I haven't seen 800 deaths. I've seen a well, whatever they show on their dashboard. Yeah, yeah I think that those may be infected patients, active, oh, active cases. Yeah, yeah, the deaths are um, perhaps 160. Okay, I'm and, sorry, but I, I don't I think they, I don't think any of them were given that option. I, I, I can't say though for sure, but uh, my um, my my feeling. And I'm, I'm, I would feel very almost certain that they didn't get this. See, I'm always curious about going back to try to study that population. It would be a retrospective study. Sure. But wouldn't it make sense to try to get some of that data from the county, the public health? Yeah, it would. maybe uh, if uh, I'm meeting uh, on a Zoom meeting today with the Department of Health and the county health, and I'll ask them that. Good question. Yeah. I'm, you know, I've got to go on yep. to my work um, with so that, patients that is the That is the bottom line, though. We need this medication. Prevention of people dying. That's it. Yeah, yeah. At this stage, there's nothing else that's really, really uh, comparable. Again, he's stating at this stage, there is nothing as good as this. He's treated four to 500 patients personally and has been practicing for approximately 50 years. Thank this, you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Ben. Absolutely Thank you great. You're the long distance from the elbow. My elbow. <laughs> Good for you, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you okay. so much. Thank you so much. Again, if you guys are just joining us, what a uh, treat that is. I, I was, you know, come in with a lot of expectations, pre preconceived notions, but the fact that that, uh, that number, we will know. Thank you so much. The fact that that number you just said, we should, we right now we could expect 70 to 100,000 more deaths in America. But if we did what you're doing, you anticipate that could be as low as 7,000. That's a 90% plus that, that's decrease. Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm, I'm that's un unbelievable. That unbelievable. Well, thank you so much. Thank sir. you very much. Okay. Again, guys, see yep. Stay tuned, guys. Much more to come uh, down here in the Calexico, El Centro, Brawley area of uh, Southern California along the border. Again, with Mike Bennett. Um, Mike, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. You didn't get to say very much. Mike, a pharmacist for many years, a Navy veteran, uh, good guy, pilot. All of the above. U.S. Navy started out in 1969, enlisted in the U.S. Navy, became a hospital corpsman. That's uh, pronounced corpsman, not, <laughs> not corpsman. Corpsman. Yeah. And uh, just as a quick, yes, U.S. Navy. Yes. Go Navy. You know, a couple of things that uh, we didn't we didn't get into with Dr. Krieger. Time just goes by too fast. But the uh, if we had had more time, that the question I have, and maybe you, is, is the number of. Oh, Harvey Reich, the CNN author, uh, that, are you accusing me of that? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 you're good, you're good. You're good, you're I'm good. Sorry. You're good. And he can say, share this with you about uh, the Harvey Reich, the, the Oh, yeah, the, I saw him on Laura Ingram's he, show. He, he's countering a CNN author or a person with a ludicrous uh, negative on hydroxychloroquine. It's that type of situation. That we're struggling, struggling with. Uh, last last, last is, question. Yes. How much of this is political that we're seeing this versus I, I, monetary? I think, I think it, it's a combination, but I, I, I think it's uh, sad that it, there is a definite political aspect to this. And I, I've 
one of the most disillusioning things to me locally is that I've uh, uh, had newspaper articles that have come out that have been very well written. And I've, I've had uh, tried to make contact with our assemblymen and our congressmen, and they've had no interest in communicating with me. It's, and and they, they, they're giving up on their constituents. That's what is so tragic to me. So we'll mention the name Juan Vargas, who represents, who's a congressional yeah, representative yeah, for the Valley. And then the very, Vargas, very yeah. disappointing. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, and, and other, I was supposed to be interviewed by KYMA, an ABC affiliate, and um, they, 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 they've had no uh, contact with me. They, people promised they would interview me, and they, there's a whole series of involvements of... Uh, and it's basically because they don't want this information to get out? That they, they, they're, they're carrying on their, uh, main, their, their suppression through mainstream media, and, and that is... What a jewel that is. Um, his local congressman doesn't want to hear the truth. He has been reaching out. It's a Democrat, of course. And uh, he also, this doctor has also reached out to his local ABC news station. They said that they might interview him and then they didn't because they want to, Democrats want to keep us locked down. Um, we need to reopen society. We need to reopen our schools. These treatments work. If everyone had this treatment, let's say 14,000 Americans die, and that's it, over a 12-month period. It's costing a lot. What a shame. It is. This it is, is very timely, then, for you to have this voice with millions of viewers. It's an honor. It's, it's what I was hoping to be able to do. Well, well, we're, we're hoping to, uh, to do more, so I know you've got to get back okay. to it, but if okay. we, I, I know we'll have follow-up with you. <laughs> all right, I appreciate it. We're so going to follow up. And thank you for all the good work you do. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Alrighty. Unbelievable, guys. Unbelievable. So we're going to wrap up here. We've got some places to go. Stay tuned for much more. Um, so here, let me just share with you. Um, this is the letter uh, that George sent July 12th, dear President Trump. Okay, so he sent this letter. And he sent a letter. This is very important to those of us in the Valley here. This is our representative, Juan Vargas. He's a Democrat. He always talks about this valley, but he doesn't do anything about it. So remember the new river, yeah. the contamination? Yeah. Typical yes, Democrat. Do yes, nothing Democrat. Squat. So here we are with the COVID. He, he's, he really is missing in action. We call him the wrong one. The right one for this district is running for November, and that's uh, Juan Hidalgo, a uh, 30-year uh, veteran of the Marine Corps. And uh, I was have the pleasure of working on his campaign, and so I'm his doc. You know, he calls me doc yeah. because the corpsmen are with the Marines, and I was with the Marines many, many years. Yeah. So uh, I'm very passionate about this. I'm glad we had an opportunity to to interview Dr. Fareed. He's uh, very respected in this community. So because this information and the frustrating thing, we were having some sound issues. Uh, we're having some sound issues. Hopefully you guys were able to get that. Bottom line, this information needs to get out there. There's a reason why it's being suppressed. I believe it's a combination of political and financial. You're not gonna make money on Hydra. Absolutely. It's political and financial. The Democrats purposely want to hurt the economy. They wanna push in communism. They wanna push in socialism. 
They want to take our freedom and liberties. And so they're doing everything they can to suppress us. And then the financial side is hospitals have a gravy train right now. Just think if the average hospital visit to the ER is maybe eight to $1,200 in profit a patient, these hospitals can make 10 to 50 to 100 grand a patient from insurance companies and the federal government. So these hospital executives are just delighted for the revenue stream that's coming in and that can create a conflict of interest. Corquin, uh, and to Big Pharma and some of those other organizations out there, it's all about the money and the political side of it. What a shame. People are dying. They're blaming President Trump. They're blaming the administration. We have a doctor right here who says, if we did this, we could reduce the number of deaths by over 90% is what he was saying. That's incredible. That's incredible that nobody else is talking about that. It's a shame. Stay tuned. So, um, Lord, thank you for Dr. George Fareed and the pharmacist, Dr. Mike Bennett. Um, we want to thank Mike for his service in our military. We love our vets. Um, thank you for protecting and serving our country. Uh, but guys, this news needs to get out there. Please uh, send this out to everyone you know. Donald Trump was right. Hydroxychloroquine works. Dr. George Fareed has treated four to 500 patients. Not one person has died. And there's just this great combination of the hydroxychloroquine with an antibiotic. You can use azithromycin or doxycycline and 50 milligrams of zinc a day. And it is a beautiful cocktail. And in fact, the doctor in France that came up with this regimen Dr. George Fareed thinks he should get the Nobel Peace Prize uh, for what he did. So, uh, guys, this is great information. Please replay it several times. Uh, the mainstream media, Bill Gates, they don't want you to know that this type of treatment works. And I've listened to the interview three times already. It is this doctor just goes public, risks his entire reputation, everything. Uh, Dr. George Fareed is a real true American patriot because he came public with what is working. And I guarantee you people in medicine are going that, that want the agenda to keep us shut down, that want us to take Bill Gates's vaccine they're gonna do everything they can to suppress uh, these doctors that are doing the right thing. So that concludes this edition of Stefan Media. This is your host, Jeff Stefan, signing out. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.